Neville Howard has been nice enough to give us some more of his time. I don't know how long since we chatted. Seems like about six, eight months. What do you think? Oh, it feels Nev? like that, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I think it's about six, six, eight months ago. It was pre-Christmas, that's for sure. Yeah, I think I was um, in a fleece when we chatted last. And then yeah, summer and came around again. and now I'm in a fleece again. <laughs> yeah. We've gone through like, two cycles of COVID variants and we're back to almost normal again. So, yeah, yeah time's passed. It is almost normal for most people. Well, thanks for having me back. Obviously, no worries. Nev is a comic book impresario. He is the, the guy behind... Now, this is going to come up. Let's share this. Oh, I want to share this. Share. There's. That'll be good for the video. Grow Hunters oh, Australia. Go. Yeah. So that's the, the page that you own and run. Um, yep. It's a fun time turned, over there. Turned, turned four years old last Thursday. So uh, survived four years. I've only had one or two Facebook warning, warnings for the page, but that's a good thing. I think, um, you know. The, the community is amazing. People are amazing and it's just growing steadily. I never wanted it to be a 10,000 strong page. I just wanted it to be a page of active members where people can hang out and, you know, be positive and engaging and appreciate others each other's uh, collection. So I feel we're achieving that and I'm just one of the 1,500 on there most days of the week, right? The page runs itself. Absolutely. Uh, so and really if we good. just scan through here, we can see uh, Martin is showing off his latest uh, purchase uh, or, you know, just something he likes. Um, there's something yeah. from Michael Punisher, which is fantastic. Um, yeah, Jeff ready showing off his Thor there. Day. Yeah, those are amazing, man. Look at that Sinkovich cover at the end. That's oh, so good. So good. So that's a fun page to get over to. And uh, the other thing yeah. I wanted to profile, we're, we're, of course. Yeah, no, say stay, no. say stuff. <laughs> no, no, I just want to say we uh, we're mostly bad influence on each other because you you see the beautiful books and you get inspired and you're like, oh, I got to add that to my list. So you just end up having to buy more and sell more to buy more, which is always a good good habit to have. So you don't spend real money. Um, when you spend comic money, it's good. Just keep it separate. Just comic, buddy. Or, or at least or that's, that's what you tell the tax man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah sure. Uh, I don't know too many people that have been pinged for um, a hobby for yeah. uh, something like that. But yeah. we'll move away from that and probably maybe we should move towards this, which is your, uh, I want to say, you know, crazy probably isn't a very uh, now. Oh, now what do I got to do here? I want to change that. I want to get over there. That's what I want to get your Instagram, oh, yes. Neville. Um, yeah, where you profile all your uh, latest um, purchases. You want to tell us a bit about that? Yeah, look for me. It's uh, you know, I think my Instagram is very, very different to my Facebook page. My Facebook page, you'll just see my common day-to-day -day life covered with dogs. Looking forward to beers, that type of stuff. Whereas um, I thought Instagram, if people add me on both, they won't see the same thing twice. Um, I'm kind of documenting my journey around collecting, uh, calling out what I like collecting, things I'm looking forward to, things I've achieved, things, you know, the nostalgia. I remember previously we spoke about what's nostalgic about it, what I'm still collecting from 30 years ago. And front and center, you see the, those little E-Man action figures and, and, and the toys and stuff, right? So I'm still... Um, really, really all over that type of stuff. And I'm just using that Instagram page to, um, as a platform to journey that 
uh, and to mm. journal that. Uh, but it's also really good to, uh, excuse me, the, the um, algorithms around Instagram seems to find the audience really well. So I find international people with a similar interest quite easily on Instagram and we network well, whether it's via messenger or we end up adding each other on Facebook, but supporting each other to find the comics and the grails that you're after, especially the foreign stuff like the one you have in front of you, right? The, the great Neil Adams cover, Um and and a few few collectors in Brazil would want it, a few collectors in America would want it. So they send me messages like, hey, can you find me one? And all that type of stuff. They tend to do it all via messages. Usually they just say, oh, a really good book or really nice image or something like that. And then you get the message on the side saying, hey, man, do you, do you think you can get another one? Things like that. Um, so, so it's a really good networking tool as much as everything else. Although my intention there was really just to showcase a bit of a show and tell us of how I achieve a few things around my collection as I as I stay focused on um, you know the likes of the foreign collecting you know the things that you're showing off now the the Brazilian or I think that's the Mexican uh, green lantern with a Batman header on it and things like that it is it is really good because you find these oddities and it inspires you to find more of them yes I guess I've just thought uh, people like Batman and green and, and green lantern let's mash them together on a cover and see what happens yeah <laughs> I th- yeah i think i think in this case they'd be like oh yeah, batman's a very very well known name or brand so let's put the header on there to appeal to readers and when they buy it they realize it's a green lantern comic so that we introduce them to green lantern uh, by proxy <laughs> and then maybe they'll buy green lantern later on as well so it's a it's a it's a smart concept, I guess, um, but you do find these oddities. I, I found a, a German digest um, over the weekend where it was a reprint of uh, Avengers 11 with Kang, but they used the Spider-Man cover with Kingpin, and they actually replaced Kingpin's head with Kang's head. Uh, it's so many copyright issues and so many, but so, you know so what? They got effort. away with it back in the 60s and 70s, correct? Yeah, yeah so much and they, yeah, and there you see the Newtons, right? The ones that you that's at the top of the page at the moment. They're they're massive across the across the globe at the moment. The entire US is just chomping at the bits to find those Newton comics. And I actually brought some for show and tell, so I'll go through them with you. Yeah, sure. Just show you what they're about. Uh, tell us a little bit about this one because people generally like Star Wars. Yeah, so um the, the thing is, people fall in the trap when you start collecting, especially. Uh, you see the cover of issue one and you think, oh, well, yeah, I'm going to buy myself issue one. And sometimes you end up overpaying because you don't know it's a second print or sometimes even a third print. Um, and this the, the poster in front of you is just really the logo on the top left corner of each of those prints of Star Wars to show you how they differentiate from each other. So the one might have the middle one, see, it's got the word reprint there. But when you look at the book, that is about maybe a centimeter size. So it's not obvious. It's not like in your face. So if you see it in a bundle and you, or you, you're placing bids on eBay and the corner sticking out, at least you know what to look for. Um, the third one with a 35 cents diamond is actually a, distri- uh, a second print that was purely distributed in like Walmart packs and, and um, different packs in the US. So it's technically a second and a half print or something like that. Um, there is actually a 35 cents first print that was purely for the West Coast distribution, but they're kind of a phantom at the moment. Like um, if you find one of them, they're 10 times, 15 times the price of uh, the actual first print because of the ratios. And I guess they thought they it was a bit more extra freight, so they charged a bit 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it 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 went for about four and a half, five months, where distributors and especially um, Marvel said, you know, if we're shipping from New York to LA, we need to incorporate those costs into the freight, the freight costs into the price. Otherwise, we're making a loss. And they had a low distribution on the West Coast, which means the ratio shipped with a 35 cent variant at that point in time was way lower. And as a result, there's much less of them. And so they demand a much higher price. Yeah, of course. Um, it's wow. a very, very, very interesting, very interesting concept. But then people mistake the second print that's got that Diamond 35 for the, that first print variant and you overpay for it because it should technically be a second print. So it's half now, the price. Everyone knows I love a lame comic and there's so many to choose from. So I'm never bored. Uh, but <laughs> tell us a little bit. He looks a bit uh, lame, the Raven. Or yeah, is he I great? Like the Raven. <laughs> uh, do you know, it's one of those. I think it was great for its time. And um, if if somebody had to pick that up and reimagine it a little bit, it'll probably go a long way. Um, I think I saw one of the Australian artists redraw them in a modern style and they added a little bit of attitude around it. But at the moment, I mean, the comic you have in front of you, number two, was published early 60s. Um, Paul Whelan and was the the creator of it and it was massive back then it it content it, it was side by side with things like the phantom right um but it kind of just fell by the wayside because it lacked international distribution and it kind of slowly died off um ironically by the i bought those number the number two that you have in front of you in the us and i brought it back into australia <laughs> so australia's got one more copy as a result but yeah that's a australian comic born and bred it um it came out it was huge uh, the, the creator, Paul Willinen, was one of the, the legends of the Silver Age in Australian comics. So for me, it's you know, hopefully bringing this to the forefront. Hopefully somebody might pick it up and say, hey, let's reimagine it. Let's incorporate it into a story or into a current comic world where he might become relevant again. Um, there's a few of them, man. There's, um, the Raven is one of them. There's uh, What's the other one I'm always after? Um, Catman. There, there's a few Australian ones too that's really, really good. Catman sounds did, interesting. Yeah, there's a, you can see there's a heavy Thor Jane Foster presence in my post because just leading up to the movies and the countdown and sure. you know, celebrating celebrating her picking up the hammer. Um, that's always always fun. Do you think you know what the next Thor movie is going to be like, or do you actually know? <laughs> uh, uh, purely purely based no no I don't but purely based on the two minute trailer they've got it sold right they're, they're hitting all the marks with the nostalgia of Chris Hemworth um, uh, it's a bit of a comeback story for him bringing back his form but then also his outfit pays a lot of tribute to Thunderstrike from the 90s I don't know if you read those corny extreme yeah Thor couple yeah I did book, yeah with, with his denim jacket and ponytail and that type of stuff and um, then also, obviously, with Jane Foster picking up the hammer, which is a tribute to the Jason Aaron runs, um, and you know the the promise of what's to come. Even if it's temporary, she might get one or two movies with her as a starring role, which is really really good. It is good. Um, the more diversity, the better. No, well, you can't get more diverse than a big green guy, though. <laughs> true that. True that. <laughs> true that. That was that was actually in a book called. Um, Hulk Grand Design. I happen to have it next to me. So it's one of the pages in this book that I've got in front of you. Yeah. Um, it, and what it is, it's kind of summary of the first 200 issues of Hulk retold in a very pulpy style. And then they've got pages like that where somebody just redrew Hulk 181 with, by hand. Um, 
it's a really cool book. And the, the design aspects and how they played around with the characters and stuff is really well told too. Very, very cool indeed. Well, nearly 1,500 people there are enjoying your stuff, Nev. Yeah, man. So that's I, no I mean you, feat. Yeah, I tell you one thing with Instagram, and I don't know if it's perception, but the more followers you have, the easier you get followers. It's the mm. irony of it. Um, I worked a lot harder when I had 50 followers than I do when I've got 1,500 followers, to, to be honest with you, um, because I think people have that perception of, you know, you know what you're talking about because you've got more followers. Although yeah, I won't say I've learned a lot over the past three or four years to justify that, but um, I'll take it. Yeah, well, look, you know, you're you're my main guy for what's happening. I mean, I can't keep up with you, but I, I read all your <laughs> posts and it gives me a general gist of what's going on in the comic, comic book world, um, you know, and uh, – it's fantastic for me. Yeah. And, you know, everyone should follow Nev if you've got any interest in keeping up with, with comic books or just pop culture, really, you know, because yeah, comic, yeah. comic books are a lot of pop, pop culture these days. Yeah, true that, eh? And um, I do try, like, like if you look at the posts, I, I do, I would say 80% would be comics or 75% comics and the rest would be toys or skateboards or uh, action figures or arcade games or you know retro stuff which i really enjoy um i think the the it's it's probably my curse that i get influenced by things around me so um i do tend to collect a lot more than i should um <laughs> uh, and i think that's that my instagram is fairly reflective of that yeah it's great now what do you think about this i know you're going to have some sort of take uh yep. let's share this bam this guy oh, and also Knight. this guy. <laughs> yeah. I tell you, his acting in the show so far has been amazing. Um, yeah. I've seen a little bit of criticism because people wanted him to be Moon Knight from episode one and just be this crazy psycho character. But um, I, I think, you know, it, the way they're telling it, it makes it really appealing to people who don't even know what comics are about or what his story is about. It doesn't, the show doesn't feel like they're telling a comic story. It just, it feels like a supernatural story that might end up with a guy in an outfit that fights evil. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Um, the, way, the way they play him off against himself is really well done. Um, and even, what, five episodes in now, you still have those WTF moments where it's like, oh, uh, now I get it. Now I get it. Because the writing is so integrated. That I was telling Alana, my partner, that um, one of the episodes was so – so detailed and so much information so many, so many things happen it felt like you were watching a whole movie because it's just so full on you can't play with your phone and not pay attention you have to pay attention otherwise you miss stuff and that's what i really like about it oscar's not phoning it in that's for sure absolutely man i think you know if there's awards to be had if they ever start um, taking comic genre seriously or give him a category for awards or something like that in terms of acting he's setting a really high bar there hey i tell you that Oh, he's, yeah, he's I actually really got very judgmental through the week because I said to someone, I said, are you watching Moon Knight? And they said, oh, no, I, I tried, but I didn't like it. I said, you are wrong, which is you should never say to someone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you, should never, I, you should never say that to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway. I can tell you that. I can tell you that with Disney, what, what I have to give them props for is they, um, they've had, what, five Marvel shows out now. And 
how they diversify not just the character base but the way they tell the stories and the way they look and the feel of the characters and the the, the environments that they live in is so different if you compare WandaVision to um, the more traditional Falcon and Winter Soldier to uh, Moon Knight it feels like you know it feels like a diff- different genre it might be a Marvel thing but it feels like a totally different thing um, and I think they do it really well they hedge their bets and and diversify to the point where even if you don't like everything, you'll find something you like. And I think that's what they're trying to do. They don't want the same person to like everything. They want everybody to like something. And I think they're doing that right. Absolutely. And there's a lot of money thrown at it. Um, when I was watching um, The Falcon and The Winter Soldier, and I yeah. thought, gee, this is really not for everybody, this particular yeah. title, you know, this particular. But yeah. so much money was spent. And I was just like, hats off, uh, yeah. Disney. Uh, you guys are really. Um, Which one's been your favourite? Um, I would have to say Moon Knight, followed by One Division okay. of the TV fair. You know of the, yeah, yeah. Of the TV Marvel yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, my wife really liked Agent Carter, and nothing really yeah. to do with her being female or anything like that. It was just more yeah, up yeah. her alley. Um, yeah, and. Um, and I so think even I've, the what if stuff, right? How good was that? Talking about Agent Carter, the what if the animated series with the zombies and everything else, they really did so well with that. I've um, watched a couple and, um, and you know, they've really got their finger on the comic book pulse. They're doing great stuff and it's hard to imagine them putting a foot wrong right at the moment. Um, I guess in humans was, wasn't all that great, but um, yep. Darnley had, Inhumans to work with. They only had the Inhumans property to work with, and yeah, if they want yeah. to throw a hundred million dollars at that, you know, go wild. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think Inhumans also suffered of the fact that it wasn't produced by Marvel, right? It was just a licensed show. Yeah, sure. Um, I think if Inhumans had to come by Disney as a Marvel brand, it'll have a different different perception. Um, and maybe I think you know. With Miss Marvel, there's ties to ties to the Inhumans, so maybe they will use that as an opportunity to reintroduce or reboot the Inhumans. Yes, fantastic. Well, you said you got to brought in a few items for us, so let's have a little look. Yeah, and no, I look, um, and I touched on it when you looked at the Instagram, and I think um, there's been a lot of buzz around record sales of comics recently, and um, yeah, they had the 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 big sales for the American stuff, but. Recently, an announcement to the CGC, they said they're going to make official um, a kind of focus around foreign prints. And I don't know if you saw that, but they had a, a massive news release. And the news release actually had linked to how you're going to submit the books, how they're going to consider and grade it, how they verify where it's from, what the content is. Because of the fact that um, Australia is not the only country that's really dodgy in how they compiled they reprints back in the 60s and 70s where they where they might have crossed over publishers and all that type of stuff. So they've got a lot of work ahead of them. But the fact that CGC is about officially taking it on and going to certify those books, really actually what it did is it sparked an interest in that because a lot of people weren't originally collecting reprints. Now are like, oh, what is what are these books that CGC is looking for? And then Key Collector Comics started pub, started putting it in their app. Um and a lot of the websites started focusing on around the what ifs of what's going to be included. And for some reason, um, especially the Americans are drawn to the Australian reprints and not 
not any of them, not oh, sorry, not all of them, but they're focusing around the Horwitz ones, the Newtons ones, and the Yaffa ones at the moment. And and when we go back to saying record sales, we're seeing literally record sales every week. Every Sunday night, Australian time, when some auction finishes, there's a new record set. Um, Fantastic Four number one, Newton print with a poster was 1,400. X-Men one with a poster was 1,300. You know, it's, it's money that's probably quadruple what it was a year ago. Um, so I thought, you know, just for the sake of the audience and, and showing you guys what it's like, I thought I'd show off some of the, co the covers and what they look like. And um, what, what I do like about these Newtons, right, um, I'll send you some photos too if you want. Uh, what I do like about them is they had a much simpler color template. So what they had to do was recolor a lot of the characters so that they stand out and don't, not blend into the background and stuff like that. Um, but the consequence of having a restricted color palette was the fact that um, everything's bold and everything's in your face. And I think that's what, what makes the cover so appealing. So if you look at the Avengers, it's really a souped up version of the original cover um, with a bit of branding at the top. It's better. Um, X, yeah. So X <laughs> better, if anything. The, 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 yeah. So look at the color of Beastman, right? Yes. <laughs> he, he, he used to be just a dude with the outfit and they made him like, they like, oh, well, Beastman's supposed to be a beast, so we're going to make him like dark green. <laughs> um, the Magneto's helmet's yellow and things like that. So this is actually X-Men 1, and because they had a backup story of Avengers at the back, they called it X-Men and the Avengers, but it actually literally X-Men number one. Okay. Um, yeah, so so a lot of that, the, the anomalies of them is just really, really cool. Like um, you see Ant-Man, they made him red. Um, Doctor Strange, his face purple. Um, and and all these books, just I think, because they so such a contrast to what the Americans are used to, they're just enjoying it. Um, one of these, this is the Yaffa X Men number one. Yeah. So this weekend, this weekend, the first time uh, a, a complete co copy like this went on sale, it went, ended up for like eight hundred and thirty thirty five bucks. Wow! Well, well, and it's well. the first time, it's the first time it sold over a few hundred. Um, but yeah, so talk about Yaffa, man, like. Number one, they used number two's cover. This is issue one, and they used number two's cover. And back then, I don't know if you remember the early Daredevil. He used to be yellow. Yeah. So they just recolored, they just recolored him and said, well, we're going to make him red because people know he's red. Um, same with number two. This is the first uh, gray man. Oh, sorry, purple man. So they, this used to be his yellow outfit that they recolored. Um, Ghost Rider, they used issue two for number one's cover. Uh, so, so a lot of oddities snuck into the comics. Um, I think Submariner number one, uh, the background used to be blue, so they made it green, but they also tilted him. I think he's it's like a mirror image of the original cover for some reason. Um, wow, yeah, man. So, so, so a lot of them, a lot of them go through all these you know, random transformations prior to publication for no real reason, and I think because of that uniqueness that come with it. Um, people found people found some some interest in it, and um, the Australian comics are kind of the bell of the ball at the moment. Um, if you look at the the Hulk, it looks like he's filled in with color markers. It's <laughs> like the day the, the day they printed it, they're like, oh well, I don't know why, because back then the Hulk was gray on cover yeah. number one, so they actually made him green with markers before they printed it. Look at that. <laughs> <laughs> so That's there's amazing. a lot of things like that that just. Yeah, it just screams screams uniqueness, and because everything's so bright in your face, it's got, it's got a, such a level of appeal that's um, hopefully sustainable. Because um, 
the more Australian comics get profiled, the more likely people start picking up Australian created books, right? Um, if you look at the Horwitz generation of Australian books, that's probably 10 years prior to this. Hmm. Um, I've got a Stan Lee signed Avengers 1, but the cover was by an Australian, well, Australian New Zealand creator. So they literally redrew the entire cover for Avengers number 1 in 1965, two years after the original came out. And um, yes, Sandy, I was I was lucky enough to have Stanley uh, Stanley signed copy of one of them. I, d- I doubt there's more than one in the world. Wowzers, trousers! That is tremendous. Yeah, now yeah. I've been seeing those um, those posts more and more often. And I had a few Murray the Cats, uh, which are good. That's got to be the worst Australian publisher, isn't it? Surely. <laughs> I mean, so you, it was. It wasn't any better than newsprint, really. Yeah, the Murray ones. Oh, look, none of them are. And that's, that's why it makes it so difficult. And, you know, the early Newtons all came out with posters. So of the books I showed you, I showed you about 12 now. I would say four of them have posters in because kids would rip it out and stick against the wall. And with sun fade in three weeks, there'll be nothing left of them because the paper's so crap. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I remember that because I used, I used to be a Kiss fan. Uh, you know, as lots of kids of my age was, and they'd always they'd, they'd have posters of Kiss in the in the newspaper, and I think Beauty free posters last yeah. about six weeks on the wall. Yeah, <laughs> before yeah. it was they more or less a lot. black and white. But anyway, yeah. And I tell you, I think both Yo- well, both all of them really, Horwitz, N- Newton, Yoffa, they were all they were all like lowest lowest cost to print. They wanted to print twenty thousand cheapest possible books. And um, that's what they did. And I think that's why finding something that's a respectable grade is so appealing, especially if yeah. it's got posts and everything in. You like exploiting, uh, e- exploiting, exploiting, I made up a word, exploiting yeah. um, <clears throat> in- uh, intellectual uh, properties, uh, you know, it- it's not a new thing. It's yeah, quite true, an old true. thing. I-, I, could tell, I could tell you now. Very likely, not all of these guys had consent or license to print these books. Certainly um, not. They, they somehow smuggled in printing plates. They uh, recreated it to make it look like it's not the American ones in some cases in the early 60s. There's a lot of dodgy stuff that happened um, to circumvent having to pay the big man in America some money. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, then, look, anyway, we better talk about hard, fast money or fast, hard money or either way you like it. What's, what's your big tips for the next few months until we chat again? What, what should people be getting into? There, there seems to be a lot of uh, interest in books that are already hot at the moment. And it, it's tough because of the fact that um, people are willing to pay overs to try and secure a copy of something that's probably not that valuable. Um, and I always find that troubling because, one, you'll get collector's fatigue, but two, also you'll have an empty bank account and be demotivated. Mm. Um, and that's mostly they're mostly the more, modern stuff. And it's driven off the fact that I, I think when you had my Instagram open, I, I, I created a meme over there about um, there's so many people on Instagram that, that um, think that they receive attention and followers by creating a hot 10 list. So what they do is they fall in the trap of doing it three times a week and every time they want to bring up new books to try and generate new followers. Uh, but the fact is you go back to four, five, six, seven weeks ago when they created their hot book lists, 
and all those books have already fallen by the wayside because it was so highly speculative that um yeah it, it it's probably hard for four days and if you don't flip it right away you're going to lose 20 bucks or 30 bucks yeah, and that's do all this in the 90s price. We did all this in yeah, the 90s, oh, it's, right? It's happening all <laughs> over again, man. It's happening all over again. And it's it's almost like guys have been through that cycle. You, you're a little bit more psychic and you can see it coming. You can see the collecting fatigue. You can see little people just selling collections and most of it would be between one and eight years old. Um, I see a lot of slabbed books that are under worth under 100 bucks that's going on sale and nobody wants to buy it because everybody thought having a book slab and it's a 9.8 it's going to be worth something um, so there's a lot more warnings in the mm. industry of wanting to make a quick buck um, my my um and going back to our previous conversation is my my point around that is always like i'd rather go with a tried and trusted stuff where I know that it's got a pathway to success whether it's one or three or five or ten years from now um, if the character is going to be relevant and have a level of appeal in 10 years from now, then it's a safe bet. Um, and um, whether it's by, via TVs or movies or comics, it doesn't really matter. But if you can get that harmony of appeal that's longer lasting than a three-day flip, then um, you, you're setting yourself up for success, right? If you want to quickly flip a book for 50 bucks, you might be in trouble. If it's, uh, for me, if it's like, critically, if it's critically appreciated for its writing and art or groundbreaking in some way, they they yep. seem they seem to be good. They are. We they think are. about and why you know, the last man. We yeah. think about Department of Truth stuff like that. Yeah, and and even yeah, modern stuff like Department of Truth. Um, something's killing the children. Saga. Saga just came Saga. back yeah, after great. an hiatus, right? Um, and you'll collect that because it's really good books and you're going to enjoy it. And they're going to, if it happens to be worth a lot of money, that's amazing. And uh, it seems that if you get the right creative team on something like those titles and they, they sustain um, their involvement in the book over a longer term than three or four months, then you've definitely got something there. But don't retrospectively try and buy it. Buy it as it comes out. Um, for me to say what's, what's a great book to invest in or to track down i would say something like the first appearance of nova that's great at nine and above it'll yes. still be worth a few hundred bucks it'll be worth a few hundred bucks at the moment but it'll be a few thousand bucks down the track because the creators are still around you can still get it signed and pressed mm. and graded and all that type of stuff and it's just one of those books man well the uh, new version of uh, zoom wants to punt us off now uh, so I probably oh, yeah. should I probably shouldn't have upgraded, <laughs> but we've got five minutes. We've got five, <laughs> we've got minutes, five minutes, which is a yeah. lot of a lot of chatting. I read something yeah. about uh, the Sandman TV show or movie, definitely, definitely happening, even from yep. the mouth of Neil, Neil Gaiman. Do you know anything about it? I've seen a thirty second trailer, okay, like a teaser, yeah, and it looked really good. So it's definitely happening. Were you ever uh, a fan? You know, it's pretty out there, yeah. Sandman. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, w I was, thanks to a really good friend of mine, um, Willy Engelbrecht, back in, back in South Africa. He was a Vertigo collector back when I was reading Justice League. He was reading Hellblazer, Constantine, Preacher, Sandman, Books of Magic, all those books. So I'd buy my stash, he'd buy his stash, we'd read it and swap. <laughs> um, so I got to know all those stories without 
having to buy it and I got to read and enjoy it without having to buy it. And in many cases, I shamed him out of it to sell it to me <laughs> if I really <laughs> liked it because <laughs> he was a reader. He wasn't a collector. So for him, it was all right. Um, yeah, absolutely. I loved it. And I think, you know, if they can take that and write it well and it's um, endorsed by Neil Gaiman, uh, you've got a whole universe to play with. Absolutely. I think it'll be amazing. Good writer, Neil. Yeah, yeah. What Still about with uh, us, that, Neil Adams? Yeah, not yeah. so much what about, anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so also the the crow. Like, yeah. did you hear that, that it's also relaunching as a franchise? Yeah, um, that, yeah. That, sure. Why not? I mean, I don't know who yeah. asked for that, but sure. <laughs> oh, to. come on! I'm I'm one of the biggest crow fans on the planet, so <laughs> okay, I'm probably one sorry. of the guys who uh, <laughs> were teary faced when that happened because. Um, I know they went a little bit off the rails at the end of the 90s because mm. <laughs> they had four movies and a TV show and everything. But um, mm. James O'Barr, I, the creator, I've, I've met him a number of times. And every time I talk to him about it, he's like, over his dead body, will there be another Crow movie or TV show unless he's involved and approves of it? And even last time I saw him, 2021, he was at Supernova. I had a chat to him and he still said, you know what? There might be 10 pictures on my table on my desk at work. Um, I'll say no thanks to all of them unless I find something. So until I say there's another one, there's not going to be another one. And I love the fact that he's doing that. You know, you get the opposite where people just say yes to everything because they want the money. He says yes to the right thing because he wants the property and the the um, the relevance of the character to endure. So when the news came out that there's going to be another, another movie made and it's going to be um, the actor... What's his name? Perfect guy for it. Um, I lost his name now. Um, but perfect perfect guy to play the crow. Insert name um, here. Yeah, insert name, yeah. <coughs> do, do, do. Play some music, show the name. Um, it's that Viking guy, man. He's got this uh, weird surname. Anyway, uh, perfect guy for the for the role. And I uh, think the fact that James Abaz approved of it, approved the script, and is attached to it to a degree is great. And also... Subsequently, the comics probably doubled in price in a month. <laughs> yeah. The, the well, let's have more crow well then if the... it's going to be good. If it's yeah. going to be good, well, why that's, not? That's let's have you, it. That's what you need, right? <laughs> good content, not just all content. Uh, Absolutely. I, I, I agree. Well, mate, we'll say goodbye and we'll uh, uh, remind everyone that uh, Neville Tiberius Howard is the man to go for. Two, if you just want a great overall view of what's going on with comics and also if you want an in-depth view, right? Yeah, Nev? and if you like like spending money on things you're passionate about, I'm more than happy to inspire you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you certainly inspire me, mate. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks, thanks for the chat, man. Always no good worries. seeing you. Have a great one.